Luke chapter number 7, if you look at verse 36, we're going to read several verses here on the parable of the forgiven debts. And we're going to take a little bit of a break from Matthew and jump into Luke and go over this parable tonight, which I uh, really enjoyed studying and I really enjoyed writing a message on this parable because it's so applicable to who we are and, uh, and, and how we relate to Christ and our, our sin and our forgiveness. And so if you're in Luke chapter number seven, look at verse 36 with me and we'll begin reading. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would sit at eat, sit at, that he would eat with him and went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman, and he said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, <clears throat> and wiped them with the hairs of her head. And thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since, uh, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loveth much, but whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little." And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at the meat, sat at meat with him, began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Would you join me in prayer tonight as we get into the parable of the forgiven debts? Lord, once again, we come before you. We ask for your help. I pray, God, that you'd allow this message, Lord, to sink deep within our hearts. Help us, God, to look at these scriptures, Lord. You intended for us to see them. You recorded them in your word. And, Lord, so you have something here for us. I pray that you would please speak to our hearts. Lord, may we push everything outside of our minds, all of the details of life. Maybe uh, we're thinking about tomorrow already and things that we need to do. Help us, Lord, to push these things out and to focus on your word here. And, God, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would work in our midst tonight. Convict us, help us where we need help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight we find a parable that Jesus uses to illustrate the power of the gospel in the life of a sinner. Tonight we'll look at first what inspires Jesus to give this parable in the first place, the actual account that Jesus uh, that we see here as he eats with the Pharisee. And then we're going to go back to the parable and look at how it relates to this event. So first tonight... If you have notes with you, I hope you're taking notes, a lot, of, a lot of notes tonight. So number one, I want you to see here, we see an uncomfortable meal, an uncomfortable meal. In verse 36 through 50, we see that 
the Pharisee here, Simon, he wanted Jesus to eat with him. The motivation for him wanting Jesus to come eat with him is somewhat unknown, but I think that if we, as we read this story, we could draw the conclusion that it wasn't really because the Pharisee wanted to get to know Jesus for who he was. He wasn't interested in the fact that Jesus was God. I think that this Pharisee wanted to have him over because in those days, the most popular people would have popular people over to the house. And it was kind of a status thing. And so we see that this Pharisee wants Jesus to come eat with him. And while they're sitting there, some things happen that make this meal somewhat uncomfortable, somewhat awkward for the people presenting it. We see letter A here. We see an ungrateful maitre d'. Now, have you ever seen a maitre d' used in a sermon before? Probably not. And so we see this man here, the host, this maitre d'. He is ungrateful for who the guest is that's actually come to his house. Jesus enters into his house, the house of this Pharisee. And in this culture, there would be some customs that would take place when someone comes into your house. Uh, in this particular culture, honor and respect, the Eastern culture, these things are very important to them, even more so than in our culture. And, and at this particular time, this Pharisee, he called Jesus a master, which is, can be interpreted as teacher. He called him this as someone who's important, but the Pharisee did not actually behave in such a way where he believed that Jesus was important. In our culture, it would be sort of like this. If you were sitting in your house and the doorbell rang and one of your kids went to the door and it was the senator or it was a senator or it was a congressman, somebody very important, it was a, a business leader, somebody very important, and your son came back to the living room and said, so-and-so's at the door. And you said to him, ah, tell him to come on in here. And so the, the, the important person walks into the house and you don't get off the couch. You just kind of look at him and say, hey, what's up? You give him knuckles and he sits down. Now, in our culture, if somebody important walks into a room it's our custom, it's our custom, it's, it's polite to stand and to greet them and to shake their hand and to welcome them. We don't kiss each other in this culture, but in the Eastern culture, it was a sign of respect for men to kiss each other on the cheeks. And thank God we live in America, amen? And the handshake does just fine. And uh, good hearty handshake. And hey, you know, so. Um, but, but in this culture, it, it would be the same, it would be kind of the same uh, thing is that this was, this was rude. It was offensive for this Pharisee not to wash Jesus' feet, not to kiss him, not to show honor to him. But don't worry, though. Jesus calls him out on this. Look at verse 44. He turns to the woman and he says unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. And this woman, since I came, ceased not to kiss my feet. My head thou did not anoint with oil, but this woman, she does it. And so he goes through these things that would be customary for someone who invites somebody important over to their house. And it's clear that this Pharisee did not feel like Jesus deserved respect and honor. He did not deserve it. It was clear that he was ungrateful for who sat at his table. How many of you have ever had somebody important over for dinner? You ever done that? Somebody you cared about, somebody you wanted to impress. Maybe, uh, maybe you got you young people that are dating, and you go over to your you go over to uh, your girlfriend or boyfriend's house for the first time, or they come over to your house for the first time. Boy, you're nervous and you don't know what to say, and and you want everything to be perfect. Or maybe someone comes over and and you want to impress them. It, it's a it's apparent here that this Pharisee did not have those feelings towards Christ. He did not think that Christ was as, was important. 
And so Jesus is sitting here with this ungrateful host at the table, and the Bible says that there were others there also, and we'll read about them here in just a moment. But then something really awkward happens for the, the maitre d', the host of the party. Something awkward happens for him and for the others at the table. We see at that moment someone enters. We see letter B, an uninvited miscreant. An uninvited miscreant walks into the room. And everybody at the table, you could kind of feel the tension as she walks in. And they know who she is. They're not confused at who this person is. I don't know how they know, but for whatever reason, her reputation preceded her. And they knew that this was not somebody they wanted to come in here. And so they had an uninvited guest come in. And make no mistake, this lady did not belong to the party. She was uninvited. She was a sinner. And I don't know if you know much about Pharisees, but they didn't like to hang out with sinners, even though they were sinners, amen? But they didn't like to be around sinners. And tradition teaches us that this woman was probably had a reputation of being a professional in an in a, in a, in a, in a ill-repute way. Probably she worked in the city. We don't know all these details, but traditions would tell us that in the context of the story. Her reputation preceded her. <clears throat> these men were embarrassed that she was at this dinner party. Just the presence of her being there caused the men to uh, blush and get upset that she was there. But on top of that, she began to have the audacity to worship Jesus in front of them, which they did not really see Jesus for who he was. And so this woman, she begins to weep and she begins to anoint his feet with oil and wipe her, wipe his feet with her hair. And she's weeping and she is kissing his feet. She is worshiping Christ in front of them. Can you imagine how embarrassed and how frustrated these hosts must have been? Look at verse 44. He turns to Simon and says, seest thou this woman? And he goes on, I entered into thine house. And he talks about all the things that they didn't do that she's doing. This woman was causing a scene. This was quite a nuisance, quite a problem. You see, the Pharisee, as he's sitting there, he says within himself, the Bible says. In other words, he thought it, but he didn't say it out loud. So he thinks within himself, as this woman is making this scene, he's not really a prophet. He's not who he says he is. What a joke. This is what he's thinking in his heart. This guy's a phony. He's a fake. If he knew who this woman was, if he was a prophet, he would know, first of all. But if he knew who she was, he wouldn't let her touch him. She's a sinner. Oh, but then something happens. And Jesus drops a truth bomb on this guy and ruins his night, by the way, because Jesus can read thoughts. And all of a sudden, this pompous Pharisee realized, uh-oh, I better be careful what I'm thinking. We see here, number, number two here, we see an unusual message. Jesus gives this man an unusual, unusual message. He gives him this parable. Look at verse 40. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have say, somewhat to say unto thee. So he thinks in his heart, man, if this guy knew who she was, he wouldn't let her touch him. And he looks at him. He says, Simon, I, I have something I need to tell you. And he says, Master, say on. So Jesus gives us this parable. There was a certain creditor that had two debtors. One owed how much? 500 pence and the other 50. You see there, one had 10 times more debt than the other. Some of you tonight, you might be $1,000 in debt. Some of you might be 10 times more, $10,000 in debt. And so 
in this context, one person was in 10 times worse shape than the other. And when they had nothing to pay, and all those that live in California said, amen, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon thought about it, I think, for a second. I suppose, I love how that's worded, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. Now, Jesus gives this parable, and you can see the Pharisee. I can just kind of in my mind's eyes, I'm sitting at that table. I can kind of see the Pharisee and the, his, his little cronies sitting around him with their mouths gaping open, wondering, what is that supposed to mean? Well, what do you mean by that? So let's look at the parable more closely to see what Jesus meant by that. Letter A, we see an unbiased master. He mentions this creditor. I love this part. Look at verse 41. And there was a certain creditor that had two debtors. I don't know if you're catching this or not, but if you are, this is pretty exciting. Obviously, in this context, the parable here, Christ himself represents the creditor. He represents the creditor, and the debtors represent sinners. And guess who those debtors are? Raise your hand, you and me, amen. We're the debtors, he's the creditor. And I don't know about you, but I have a lot of sin debt, and so do you. And before the creditor came into my life, there was a sin debt that I could not pay, and so did you. And many of us tonight, before we met Christ, not many of us, all of us, we were in deep financial trouble before we met Christ. And see, this is the kind of debt that Dave Ramsey can't fix, amen? There's no book. This is a debt that only Christ himself could pay. And so Christ is giving this parable. He mentions the debtor. He's talking about himself. I am the creditor. And we know that in this room tonight, there are different credit loads, I guess, or, or debt loads, I guess, if you will, of sin. Some of you may owe 5000 Some of you may owe $5 million. We all have different levels of sin in our life, but the truth is, is we're all sinners. And while you might have grown up in church and the worst thing you ever did was listen to Felice Navidad and dance around when your mom wasn't looking, or you might be the kind of person that grew up in a, in a rough life, been in gangs. I had a, a man here that was saved in, uh, at another church but came here, and, and uh, I remember we were praying and one time, and he mentioned that he had, kill, he, had, he had killed people in his life, in gangs and stuff like that in his youth. That might be the kind of debt that you owe. You might be that, it doesn't matter, somewhere in between. But here's the key. We are all in debt. And all God's people said, for all have what? Sinned and come short. There's no one that your life, you're, and these Pharisees, they don't, they didn't recognize that their debt was just as bad as her debt. For some reason in their economy, their debt wasn't as bad as her debt. But all debt is the same. This is amazing. This is the amazing thing about God. There is no distinction in debtors with God. He forgives them all. And this is something that we as humans, we just don't understand. We just don't get it. We don't get it that God's grace is equally unequal. It's unequal. Yes, God forgives him of more sins than he forgives me and vice versa. God has forgiven me more than, but we're all in debt and his grace forgive, his grace is implied. Where sin did abound, grace did what? much more abound. God's grace is equally unequal. And I think that I think like a Pharisee sometimes. Sometimes I look at others and I think, man, I'm glad I'm not like them. I'm glad I didn't mess up like that. 
And the truth is tonight is that we're all sinners. We all owed God a debt. And all of us tonight are forgiven. We stand forgiven. So our debt is paid. Take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter number 8, please. Romans chapter 8. By the way, aren't you grateful tonight that your debt is paid? <laughs> our debt is, my sin debt is paid. Romans chapter number 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans chapter number 8. If you look at it, by the way, if you, if you, if you really want to take a deep dive into salvation, what it means for you, study Romans. Study Romans. I tell you, it'll blow your mind about what God has done for us in this area of salvation. Look at Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 10. And if Christ be in you, in other words, if you're saved, if you've been saved, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, that means make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. In other words, Christ died on the cross and he's alive tonight. And all God's people said, amen. That means if God has the power to raise Christ from the dead, he has the power to raise you from the dead. Look at verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are, we're debtors, but not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. When God paid off your debt, we became a debtor to Him. We become His sons. We become adopted. We're debtors, but not to sin. We're debtors to God. We're not debtors to our flesh, but to the Spirit. Not in bondage of fear, but in the spirit of adoption. We are his. Our debt is paid. We belong to him. We see an unbiased debtor, uh, the unbiased master, the unbiased creditor. As we look closer at the two debtors, we interestingly find, let her be here, an unequal mindset. An unequal mindset. We see the unbiased master, but we also see the unequal mindset. The unbiased master was unbiased in the fact that he when he looks at you and I, he looks at us the same. And aren't you thankful for that? The Pharisees didn't get this. They thought because they were Pharisees, they were better than everyone else. We're not better than anyone else. I said, we're not better than anyone else. Somebody walks through that back door and they may not look or smell or act or do whatever you think they ought to look or smell or act like. You're not better than them. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm trying to teach my boys this as we see people sometimes begging on the side of the road and things like that. We need to be careful. And I understand that laziness and I understand, you know, people ought to take care of their families and themselves. I'm not, I'm not discounting all those things, but we need to be careful looking at others and thinking I'm better than that person. Jesus Christ died for all. Amen. And if anything, they need the gospel. And so we see the unbiased master, but we also see an unequal mindset. Look at verse 42. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them what? Both. Look at verse 42. Jesus says, tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? And you know, Simon says, I suppose he that forgave him most. And he said, thou hast rightly judged. Jesus here is offering a polite rebuke. Notice something here. Notice Jesus never says to Simon directly, she loves me more than you do. He never says that. He doesn't have to. 
Without saying it, Christ is saying in verse 44, he looks deep into the eyes of Simon. He says, Simon, do you see this woman here? You see her? Look at her. This woman that you despise, that you think is worthless, the one that you, you think that you're better than, she loves God more than you do. She loves God more than you do. Now, I want to ask you a question. Does a, does a Pharisee dedicate some of their life to God? No way. A Pharisee was the cream of the crop. I mean, every little thing they tried to do, every little thing. And, you know, they, they put, they put uh, uh, black stuff under their eyes to make it look like they fasted. And they made long prayers. And they had the frontlets of scriptures on their hands and on their foreheads. And they wore the long robes and they knew the law. They dedicated their life to God. And Jesus says, this woman here, who's a sinner, she loves God more than you do. And can you imagine the rebuke that that was for Simon? Before Simon can regain composure, before he can wrap his brain around what Jesus just told him. By the way, keep in mind that everything that Simon, everything that Simon was thinking, he wasn't saying out loud. And Jesus was basically rebuking him for his thoughts. Before Simon responds, Christ drops another truth bomb. And this one's even more devastating. Look at verse 47. He says, Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which were many, are forgiven. For she loveth much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he saith unto her, he says, Jesus looks at the woman, and Jesus says to the woman, thy sins are forgiven. This shocked the crowd. This, uh, can you hear the, can you hear Simon's buddies dropping their spoons? Ding, ding, ding. A guy spills the glass. The waiter stops dead in their tracks. I mean, this shuts the whole room down. Look at verse 49. They that sat at me with him begin to say within themselves. They don't know what Simon's thinking. They don't know that Jesus is reading Simon's thoughts. And they start thinking in themselves. Who is this that forgiveth sins also? Who is this guy? And he says to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Mom and dad. I don't know if you remember this, but the year was 2000. How many of you remember the year 2000? I remember Y2K. <laughs> we were all going to die in Y2K. And boy, people went out. They bought generators. They bought water. They bought gasoline. They bought real estate in Hawaii. I mean, they did everything. They were worried. Y2K. Supposedly, for those of you that were born, how many were born after 2000? Who was born after 2000? Look at this. Look at this. Wow. <clears throat> What happened was, is that everybody thought because, because the year was going to go from 1999 to 2000, that somehow Bill Gates forgot to add 2000 into the computer system. And so they thought that this was going to shut everything down. And the world was, planes were going to fall out of the sky and the stock market was going to crash. And, and they just thought that the world was coming to an end. And so, of course, Christians didn't because Christians have more sense than that. Amen. Most Christians do. And so here we are, uh, my family and I, and we had some people over at the house, and it's Y2K. I was 16, and I remember this like it was yesterday. We're all kind of huddled around. This was back when TVs made a sound when they came on. And they had to warm up before you could see it. Remember those days? And remember when TVs were shaped like a cube? We had one of those TVs. And so we're all gathered around the TV. And uh, we're watching, you know, I think, I think it, was, uh, it was a little bit earlier where we were. 
And I don't remember if we were in Arizona or Wisconsin. I don't remember where we were. But we were watching the ball going to drop in New York. And so we're watching this thing, everyone's together. And, and to be quite honest, even though we're Christians, we're still a little bit nervous. The world is coming to an end. And so we're watching this. We're waiting for the ball to drop. Regis Philbin, you know, he's on there. Here it comes. And he starts counting down. Ten, nine, and he's counting down. Who wants to be a millionaire? No, he's counting down. And, and we're all kind of, you know, sweat starts coming down our brows. And we're smiling. <laughs> sure, it's not going to come to an end, you know. And we're watching. Ten, nine. And I'm thinking, I'm 16. I'm like, I'm never going to get married. All this stuff, everything's going to blow up. And three, two, one. And as soon as he said two or one, our TV went. And everyone just stopped. And we looked at each other. And we thought, is this it? You know? And then we looked over, and I think it was my little brother, another little kid. They pushed the, they pushed the button on the TV. They turned off the TV at one. <laughs> Scared us half to death. We thought it was over, man. That was what the room was like when Jesus said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Everyone stopped. They were stunned. Mouth open. They could not believe what they just heard. Because Pharisees know. They know better than anybody. The only person that can forgive sins is God himself. So what Jesus just told these men at the dinner table is, guess what, guys? God is sitting in this seat right now, and y'all just messed up. Because God just walked in the room, and they didn't kiss him. They didn't wash his feet. They didn't have any respect for him. I see here, number three tonight, I see an unforgettable moment. An unforgettable moment. The last thing that Simon the Pharisee expected was to eat dinner with God. By the way, he was also not expecting to have his thoughts read. Amen. But Jesus is God, by the way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld uh, his glory. We understand that Jesus is God. The Pharisees were well aware of the fact that this man, Jesus Christ, was declaring himself to be God. That's what got him crucified, by the way. Only God had the power to forgive sin. And when Christ forgives this woman of her sin, she believed him. I said she believed him. She appreciated that, that she was forgiven. But Christ forgives him. And here they had God, the very Christ, the son of the living God, at their dining room table. Jesus said, you didn't kiss me. You didn't wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head. You showed me no respect, little kindness. You showed me no love. And even though you think you're all that in a bag of chips, Simon, this woman, this uninvited, unholy, unwanted miscreant got a full pardon. Maybe you're here tonight. May I just say, are you like that unwanted miscreant, the uninvited guest, or are you like the Pharisee? Who are you in the story tonight? Are you the Pharisee who invites Christ over for dinner to impress your friends? Or are you the one that are on your hands and knees kissing his feet for what he's done for your life? The one who is forgiven much loveth much. The one who recognizes the reality of who they are. Let me ask you a question. If Christ, if Jesus walked through the door tonight, would you be on your knees kissing his feet tonight for what he's done in your life? I don't know about you tonight, but I recognize that I am the uninvited miscreant. I am that person. So why do I act like a Pharisee sometimes? 
Let's all take a good look inside our hearts tonight. Let's ask ourselves the question, how is my love for the Savior tonight? Perhaps we need to remember the deeds, the debts that have been forgiven, and may we rekindle our love for Him. Let's pray together tonight. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.